Hello, my name is Isaac, and today I will be reading Percy Jackson and the Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 19. The Council Gets Cloven. There were too many goodbyes. That night was the first time I actually saw a camp burial shrouds used on bodies, and it was not something I wanted to see again. Among the dead, Lee Fletcher from the Apollo cabin had been downed by a giant's club. He was wrapped in a golden shroud with without any decoration. The son of Dionysus, who'd gone down fighting an enemy half-blood, was wrapped in a deep purple shroud embroidered with grapevines. His name was Castor. I was ashamed that I'd seen him around camp for three years and never even bothered to learn his name. He'd been 17 years old. His twin brother, Pollux, tried to say a few words, but he choked up a little and just took the torch. He lit the funeral pyre in the middle of the amphitheater, and within seconds, the row of shrouds was engulfed in fire, sending smokes and sparks up to the stars. We spent the next day treating the wounded, which was almost everybody. The satyrs and dryads worked to repair the damage to the woods. At noon, the Council of Cloven Elders held an emergency meeting in their sacred grove. The three senior satyrs were there, along with Chiron, who was in his wheelchair form. His broken horse leg was still mending, so... He would be confined for, to the wheelchair for a few months, until the leg was strong enough to take his weight. The grove was filled with satyrs and dryads and naiads from the water, hundreds of them anxious to hear what would happen. Juniper, Annabeth, and I stood by Grover's side. Selenius wanted to exile Grover immediately, but Chiron persuaded him to at least hear evidence first, so we told him everything that had happened in the Crystal Cavern and what Pan had said. The several, then several eyewitnesses from the battle described the weird sound Grover had made, which drove the Titan's army back underground. It was a panic, insisted Juniper. Grover summoned the power of the Wild God. Panic? I asked. Percy, Karen explained. During the first war of the gods and the Titans, Lord Pan let forth a horrible cry that scared away the enemy's armies. It is, it was his greatest power. A massive wave of fear that helped the gods win the day. The world Panic is named after Pan, you see. And Grover used that power, calling it forth from within himself. Preposterous, Selenius bellowed. Sacrilegious. Perhaps the wild god favored us with a blessing. Or perhaps Grover's music was so awful it scared away the enemy. That wasn't it, sir, Grover said. He sounded a lot calmer than I would have had if I'd been insulted like that. He let his spirit pass into all of us. We must act. Each of us must protect or must work to renew the wild to protect what's left of it. We must spread the word. Pan is dead. There's no one but us. After 2,000 years of searching, this is what you would have us believe? Selenius cried. Never! You must continue the search. Exile the traitor. Some of the older satyrs muttered assent. A vote, Selenius demanded. Who would believe this ridi ridiculous young satyr anyway? I would, said a familiar voice. Everyone turned. Stan striding into the grove was Dionysus, the former black suit, so, almost, so I almost didn't recognize him. A deep purple tie and a violet dress shirt. His curly dark hair carefully combed. His eyes were bloodshot as usual, and his pudgy, pudgy fa puggy face was flushed, but he looked like he was suffering from grief more than wine withdrawal. Satyrs all stood respectfully and bowed as he approached. 
Dionysus waved his hand, and a new chair grew out of the ground next to Selenius, a throne made of grapevines. Dionysus sat down and crossed his legs. He snapped his fingers, and a satyr hurried forward with a plate of cheese and crackers and a Diet Coke. The god of wine looked around at the assembled crowd. Miss me? The satyrs fell over themselves, nodding and bowing. Oh, yes, sir, very much, sire. Well, I did not miss this place, Dionysus snapped. I bear, I bear bad news, my friends. Evil news. The minor gods are changing sides. Morpheus has gone over to the enemy. Hecate, Janus, and Nemesis as well. Zeus knows how many more. Thunder rumbled in the distance. Strike that, Dionysus said. Even Zeus doesn't know. Now, I want to hear Grover's story. Again, from the top. But my lord, Selenius protested. It's just nonsense. Dionysus' eyes flared with purple fire. I've just learned that my son Castor is dead, Selenius. I'm not in a good mood. You will do well to humor me. Selenius gulped and waved to Grover to start again. When Grover was done, Mr. D nodded. It sounds like just the sort of thing Pan would do. Grover's right. The search is tiresome. You must start thinking of yourselves. He turned to a satyr. Bring me some peeled grapes right away. Yes, sire. Satyr scampered off. We must exile the traitor, Selenius insisted. I say no, Dionysus countered. That is my vote. I vote no as well, Chiron put in. Selenius set his jaw stubbornly. All in favor of the exile? He and the other two old satyrs raised their hands. Three, two, Selenius said. Ah, yes, but Dionysus said. But unfortunately for you, a god vo god's vote counts twice. And as I voted against, we are tied. Selenius stood, indignant. This is an outrage. The council cannot stand at an impasse. And let it be dissolved, Mr. D said. I don't care. Selenius bowed stiffly, along with his two friends, and they left the grove. About twenty satyrs went with them. The rest stood around, mummering uncomfortably. Don't worry, Grover told them. We need a council. We don't need a council to tell us what to do. We can figure it out ourselves. He told them. He told them again the words of Pan, how they must save the wild, little, little at a time. He started dividing satyrs into groups. Which ones would go to the national parks? Which ones would search out the last wild places? Which ones would defend the parks in the big cities? Well, Annabeth said to me, Garver seems to be growing up. Later that afternoon, I found Tyson on the beach, talking to Briars. Briars was building a sandcastle with about 50 of his hands. He wasn't really paying attention to it, but it... But it had, his hands had constructed a three-story compound with fortified walls, a moat, and a drawbridge. Tyson was drawing a map in the sand. Go left at the reef, he told Briars, straight down. Then when you see the sucking ship, then about one mile east, past the mermaid graveyard, you'll start to see fires burning. You're giving him directions to the forges? I asked. Tyson nodded. Briar wants to help. He wants to teach Cyclopses ways we have forgotten how to make better weapons and armor. I want to see Cyclopses, Byers agreed. I don't want to be lonely anymore. I doubt you'll be lonely down there, I said, a little wistfully, because I'd never seen or even been to Poseidon's kingdom. They're going to keep you really busy. Byers' face morphed into a happy expression. Busy sounds good. I only wish Tyson could go too. Tyson blushed. I need to stay here with my brother. You will do fine, Byers. Thank you. The hundred-handed one shook my hand about a hundred times. We'll meet again, Percy. I know it. Then he gave Tyson a big octopus hug and walked out into the ocean.
He what he what we watched until his enormous head disappeared under the waves. I clapped Tyson on the back. He helped them a lot. I only talked to him. You believed in him. Without Briars, we never would have taken down Campe. Tyson grinned. He throws good rocks. Yeah, I laughed. He throws really good rocks. Come on now, big guy. Let's have dinner. It felt good to have a regular dinner at camp. Tyson sat down with me at the Poseidon table. The sunset over Long Island Sound is beautiful. Things weren't back to normal by a long shot. But when I up to when I went up to the brazier and scraped part of my meal into the flames as an offering to Poseidon, I felt like I really did have a lot to be grateful for. Our friends and I were still alive, the camp was safe. Kronos had suffered a setback, at least for a while. The only thing that bothered me bothered me was Nico, hanging out in the shadows at the edge of the pavilion. He'd been offered a place at the Hermes table, and even at the head of the table with Chiron, but he re- had refused both. After dinner, the campers headed towards the amphitheater, where Polo's cabin promised an awesome sing-along to pick up our spirits, but Nico turned and disappeared into the woods. I decided I'd better follow him. After I passed, under the shadows of the trees, I realized how dark it was getting. I'd never been scared of the forest before, though I knew there were plenty of monsters. Still, I thought about yesterday's battle, I wondered if I'd be able to walk in these woods again without remembering the horror of so much fighting. I could see Nico, but after a few minutes of walking, I couldn't see Nico, but after a few minutes of walking, I saw a glow up ahead. At first, I thought Nico was uh, had lit a torch. As I got closer, I realized the glow was a ghost. A shimmering form of Bianca D'Angelo stood in the clearing, smiling at her brother. She said something to him and touched his face, or tried to. Then her image faded. Nico turned and saw me. But he didn't look mad. Saying goodbye, he said hoarsely. We missed your dinner, I said. You could have sat with me. No. Nico, you can't miss every meal. If you don't want to stay with Hermes, maybe they can make an exception and put you in the big house. We've got plenty of rooms. I'm not staying, Percy. But you can't just leave. It's too dangerous out there for a lone half-blood. You need to train. I trained with the dead. I trained with the dead, he said flatly. This camp isn't for me. There's a reason they didn't put a cabin to Hades here, Percy. He's not welcome, any more than he is on Olympus. I don't belong. I have to go. I wanted to argue, but part of me knew he was right. I didn't like it, but Nico would have to find his own way, his own dark way. I remembered in Pan's cave how the wild god addressed each one of us individually, except Nico. When will you go? I asked. Right away, I have tons of questions. Like, who was my mother? Who paid for Bianca and me to go to school? Who was that lawyer guy who got us to the Lotus Casino? I know nothing of my past. I need to find out. Makes sense, I admitted, but I hope we don't have to be enemies. He lowered his gaze. I'm sorry I was a brat. I should have listened to you about a Bianca. By the way, I fetched something out of my pocket. Tyson found this while we were cleaning the cabin. I thought you might want it. I held out a lead figure of Hades. The little... Mythomagic statue Nico had abandoned when he fled camp last winter. Nico hesitated. I don't play that game anymore. It's for kids. It's got 4,000 attack power, I coaxed. 5,000. Nico corrected me. But only if your opponent attacks first. I smiled. Maybe it's okay to still be a kid once in a while. I'd st- I tossed him the ta- statuette. Nico studied it in his palm for a few seconds, then slipped it into his pocket. Thanks. I put out my hand. He shook it reluctantly. His hand was cold as ice. I've got a lot of things to investigate, he said. Some of them, well, if I learn anything useful, I'll let you know. I wasn't sure what he meant, but I nodded. 
Keep in touch, Nico. He turned and trudged off into the woods. The shadows seemed to bend towards him as he walked, like they were reaching out for his attention. A voice right behind me said, There goes a very troubled man. I turned and found Dionysus standing right there, still in his black suit. Walk with me, he said. Where to? I asked suspiciously. Just to the campfire, he said. I was beginning to feel better, so I thought I'd walk with you a bit. You always managed to annoy me. Uh, thanks. We walked through the woods in silence. I noticed that Dionysus was threading on air, his polished black shoes and hovering an inch over the ground. I guess he didn't want to get them dirty. We have many, we've had many betrayals, he said. Things are not looking good for Olympus. Yet you and Annabeth saved this camp. I'm not sure I should thank you for that. It was a group effort. He shrugged. Regardless, I suppose it was mildly competent, what you two did. I thought you should know. It wasn't a total loss. We reached the, the amphitheater, and Dionysus pointed towards the campfire. Clarice was sitting shoulder to shoulder with a big Hispanic kid who was telling her a joke. It was Chris Rodriguez, the half-blood who'd gone insane in the labyrinth. I turned to Dionysus. You cured him? Madness is my specialty. It was quite simple. But you did something nice. Why? He raised an eyebrow. I am nice. I simply ooze niceness, Percy Perry Johnson. Haven't you noticed? Uh, perhaps I grieve my son's death. Perhaps I thought this Chris boy deserved a second chance. At any rate, it seems to have improved Clarice's mood. Why are you telling me this? The wine god sighed. Oh, Hades, if I know. But remember, boy, that kind of act can sometimes be as powerful as a sword. As a mortal, I was never able to, I was never a great fighter or athlete or poet. I only made wine. The people in my village laughed at me. They said I would never amount to anything. Look at me now. Sometimes small things can become very large indeed. He left me alone to think about that. And as I watched Clarice and Chris singing, singing a stupid campfire song together, holding hands in the darkness where you saw nobody could see them, I had to smile. And that was the end of chapter 19. That was the second last chapter of the entire book. And you know what? I might, because, you know, I'm re, I'm pre-recording all these chapters because I'm going on vacation, a three-week vacation, so I have to record a few chapters ahead so I didn't have to bring the book with me because, yeah, I'm going to meet some family that I haven't seen in a while and it would be nice to hang out with them and not have to go away all the time and or read a book, but there's only one chapter left, so I think that I might just read that, even though you guys are still going to have it, like, weekly and stuff, you guys are still going to have a normal upload schedule, I kind of want to finish it, even though I've read it twice, I kind of, you know, so I feel, like, inspired, and yay, it's going to be so fun, come back, uh, come back home, and you can start reading the new book, the last book in the series, which, actually, I'm not sure, if I'm going to read any more after that, I might, probably. But I don't know. Because, I mean, it cost, what, $100? So, what? I don't, I don't know what my listeners... Most of my listeners are American, actually. So, yeah, it cost about $100 for a one-year subscription to be able to get it off Podbean, where I originally make it. And um, almost and over 80% of my downloads are from Spotify. So, I think, I think it's worth it. But, um... Yeah, please please go to podbean.com or 
download the app Podbean and uh, yeah, please comment anything. I, I'll read a lot of different things. I have a lot of different books. Otherwise, I could just buy them. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I would. That's that's very worth it. Very, very worth it. Um, yeah, I could read the next uh, series, maybe. It's a lot longer. I mean, no, it's five books. But the books are, like, a lot thicker. They're, like, almost double the thickness. Uh, but there's another five books called The Heroes of Olympus. You can look them up if you want to. The Lost Hero, The Son of Neptune, The Mark of Athena, The House of Hades, and The Blood of Olympus. Those are the five books I just... Um, yeah, I definitely know them by heart. Um, not like I stood in front of them and read them all. Um, yeah, well, now everything is fine. Okay, well, see ya. Hope you had a good time listening to me read this chapter. And, um, if you're still listening to me babble this long, then props to you. You're a great listener. Bye.